Okay, so welcome to Chinese, and Church, Chinese Church in Christ South Valley. My name is Daniel. Uh, welcome to everyone. Uh, we are going to be talking about a really, really fun topic today. And this is not, uh, this is definitely not, I would say like my natural wheelhouse to talk about the subject because uh, as you'll, we're, we're talking about hospitality. And as some of you who know me well might know this, um, because I'm a pastor, because I interact with a lot of different people, and in a sense, I've had practice having to do this, um, I feel like many people might think that I'm like an extroverted, outgoing person. I am definitely not. I am severely introverted. So like when I've taken uh, personality tests or like the Myers-Briggs or different things, I'm like 90 plus percentile introvert. Um, and that basically means that I get a lot of energy from being alone. I enjoy being by myself. And so it's ironic that I'm the one talking about hospitality when Dan is preaching on the Chinese side because he is very, very extroverted. And so it's so funny because like this happens all the time. God like plays, uh, I, I won't say cruel pranks on us, but funny jokes on Dan and I where um, for the last like couple of months or so, Dan has been stuck in his room quarantining with COVID and then I've been out doing stuff. Uh, it's, it's just really interesting. Uh, but I wanna just go ahead and opening us, open us with a word of prayer and then we're gonna get into our topic. And uh, honestly, I'm actually really excited about this because I think this is one of the, it's a very under, um, under, what, what's, uh, what's a smart word? It's, talked about is not this, the phrase I'm looking for, but it is an under talked about word within the church. And I think it's actually really, really beautiful and cool, an amazing expression of tangible love for the people around us. So let me go ahead and pray for us. Uh, dear Lord, Jesus, your name is so wonderful. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, you are so wonderful in the way that you see us in our aloneness, you see us in our brokenness and our pain, and you want to invite us into your family, into your household, into your life, um, into your feast. And so I pray, Lord, that not only through seeing um, your vision for the church would we be able to shed and share hospitality and love for people around us, especially for strangers. But also I pray that you would help us see the beauty of your heart in the one who leads with hospitality and welcoming for people who are very different than you and people who desperately need love and care. Um, so I pray, Father, that you would speak powerfully. And most of all, Lord, I pray that you would be forming us and shaping us into a group of people where every single one of us would be able to show stranger love and show hospitality and welcome people um, into your kingdom, into your family, so that they could experience the joy of knowing you and joy of being with each other. Um, we pray for your power in doing this. We pray for your spirit in opening our hearts to hear. Um, I also pray, Lord, that your spirit would give us wisdom, directing us how to put this into practice. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Alrighty. Um, so let me go ahead and read the passage for today. It's really short, uh, but it's really, really cool. Uh, it's from Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 12. Uh, and we're only going to read verse 13, and this is just the verse we're going to focus on. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. If you have your Bible, turn. Contribute to the needs of the saints 
and seek to show hospitality. Really short, one more time. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So this is God's word. Uh, we've been going through our series, uh, God Puts the Lonely in Homes. And the reason why I think this topic of hospitality is so important is because I'm just literally taking the psalm where it says God puts the lonely in homes and unpacking what that means. So when it says God puts the lonely in homes, it shows us that God looks at people out there. God looks at lonely people like us. God looks at people who are orphans. God looks at people who are friendless. Uh, God looks at us in our need um, for community. And God sees us and says, look, you know what? I want to bring you in and welcome you into my home and my family. And this is like an incredibly amazing thing. Have you ever thought about how powerful and life-changing it is when you welcome someone into your home? Like what that signifies to that person and what beauty and meaning and joy and celebration comes out of just going over to another person's house, being welcomed in, having them feed you food, eating food together, talking, living life together, friendship, hospitality, welcoming, being welcomed into someone's home. This is actually really, really amazing. And our church has like a long, this is in our DNA, and this is actually really cool. I think this is something very unique about a Chinese immigrant church that perhaps not every church gets to experience, where from the very beginning of our church, our church like basically started in people's homes with Bible studies, right? We didn't have a building. We started in a home. And then out of that, more and more people joined. More and more people were welcomed in. And then over time, as we got a church building, we did not stop meeting in each other's homes. We would go to church, to church, the building on Sunday, but people would be over at people's homes all the time. And so when I was growing up in our church, I remember I would be part of a cell group as a kid. So we would go over to... Um, like it's really funny because when you grow up, um, when you grow up as a kid in church, you don't know the names of any of the adults. Like, or I, I didn't at least. And so I would go over to uh, Clarion's parents' house because Clarion was a kid, like a younger, a, a guy who was slightly older than me. I know, I knew it, that his name was Clarion, but I didn't know like his parents' name. And on many Saturdays, I would go over to his house. So the parents would be sitting around the table. They would eat food together. They would read the Bible for like. A million hours and what I did was I watched TV with Clarion with and other people and I watched Clarion play video games that my parents didn't let me play and so I discovered okay this is going sorry this is like going way back and I don't think anyone will even get this but I'm gonna say anyway there is a game called Metal Gear Solid and it's it's basically about this like super spy and you're trying to like infiltrate and save the world and submission. You have to sneak around and you like shoot people and stuff. And I, I watched Clarion play this game a lot. And I was so into this game. But I could never play it for myself because I never had a PlayStation. Um, and so I just remember that like being at someone's home and just being part of this group. This was normal for me. It was normal for Christians to meet together in homes. And it was normal for people to open up their homes and their lives to get to know each other. This is what God wants for our community. 
And this is what God wants for us as individuals, where over time, and this is what I truly believe will happen if you follow God for any extended period of time. Our tendency, and honestly, coming out of the pandemic, um, I've been hit by this. Uh, some people call this like, uh, 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 okay, I don't remember what they call it, but basically what, what I found is, especially in the beginning when we were first sheltering in place, um, every, all of my life revolved around me, around my preferences, around trying to make myself feel better about the fact that we were stuck indoors. And so I would try to pass the time in the ways that I prefer. I would try, like, I, I mean, at this point I was already married, so I also had to care about my wife. Big bummer. No, just kidding. Um, but the, she, like, she was one of the only people who I actually, like, would, would love. But a lot of my life centered around my needs, my desires, my preferences. Um, so, you know, you're on your phone and you go to the websites you want to go to the ones you prefer, or you watch the YouTube videos that are your preferences, or your TikTok videos, or whatever it might be. You watch the movies you want to on the streaming services. You watch the TV shows. It's all about me. What do I like? What do I want? What food do I want to order? Everything is centered and oriented around you. Now, that's not necessarily a terrible thing, but the problem is when whenever we start to have relationships with one another, we realize that other people are different and other people have preferences that are different than ours. And especially if you have any close relationship with someone, so in a family, if you're married, if you have kids, whatever it might be, you realize that your self-centeredness becomes a real problem in your life. And as a Christian, our self-centeredness becomes a real problem. Where if we're a, a community of self-centered people, we are failing to live out God's vision for what the body of Christ should be. Because if you look at the Bible, the Bible constantly uses plural language. The Bible constantly uses the language of mutuality, where, uh, one example, you bear one another's burdens. Now, th that's really interesting, because I don't like that. I don't like that idea. You know, I, maybe you guys don't like that either, where it's like, I have my own burdens. I have enough burdens. I don't want to take on your burden. But that's what the Bible says. That's what, that's what the New Testament, that's what the Old Testament, like, it's all about basically two things. Loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving one another, which means taking your eyes off of only your needs and desires and putting it on other people around you. Now, even if you're not a Christian, this is extremely important. This is an extremely important relational truth that you, you should all apply. Even if you don't believe in God, if you observe the way human relationships work, um, we already know this to be true. This is, this is like a universal principle that is underneath all human relationships. And so in a sense, even if you're not a Christian, don't believe in God, I can give you tips about how to have good relationships through this principle. Let me talk about it. Uh, basically, have you ever met a person who always makes it about themselves? Have you ever met a person who is very needy in the sense that they are always thinking about themselves? When they talk to you, they have something they have to get off their chest and they have to like blurt it out and they don't even listen to you. They don't ask you questions. And so you just are like, and it's sometimes it's kind of like when preachers are preaching and they just keep on talking and talking and talking. No, I, I'm because I'm a preacher. 
this is my tendency often in relationships where I want to like give people the right answer or like help them think about, and this is, it's challenging. So it's really weird. I'm like a really talkative introvert, which is like a really weird thing. Um, but anyway, you know people like that, right? Um, are the people who are most needy and self-centered the ones who have healthy and good relationships and friendships? It's really hard to be in a friendship with someone who is constantly making it all about themselves. Um, if you're in a romantic relationship, it is really, really hard to be in a relationship with someone who makes it all about themselves. But before you point the finger at the other person who you're thinking about, whenever I preach, I say something like this and you're like, yeah, that makes me think of that other person who's so self-centered and like blah, 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 blah. Just, just point it at yourself for a second and say, how do I exhibit these tendencies where I'd rather be comfortable so I don't go out of my way to help someone when it's difficult? I, I have my own burdens, so I don't want to help bear the burdens of someone else. Here's what's really amazing. I really believe God is working on us in this area. And honestly, everything we do in the body of Christ, in one way or another, should be developing our ability to center and pay attention to someone outside of ourselves. So for example, when we sing songs about Jesus and God, it really should not only be about your preference for the song, it should also be about the fact that you are choosing to orient your attention towards God and Jesus in this moment. And so in a sense, you are not being self-centered, you're being God-centered, you're being self forgetful. That's a really beautiful phrase that C.S. Lewis talks about, where a person who's a really good friend or partner in a romantic relationship is someone who is able to let go of their personal self-interest. Um, and it doesn't have to be all the time. It's actually really important to communicate your needs and all that stuff. If you're married in a relationship, you got to tell the other person. But there has to be an ability or capacity for you to say, I let go of my interests in this moment and go for the interests of the other person. So dumb example, um, I'm, I'm like on the couch with my wife, we're watching Netflix, and who gets the controller, right? It's so dumb, but it, it's, who gets the controller? Who gets to choose what, what to watch? Um, if I get the controller, um, let's see, what are the things that I've been watching recently, Ashley? Um, if I get the controller, sometimes I wanna watch like a horror movie or like Stranger Things. My wife doesn't like horror movies. And so I can never watch horror movies with her. If she gets the controller, she's been watching like a Chinese uh, like fantasy historic or like a, a, it's called Who Rules the World. So it's basically like there. This is like an old timey China, and they have all the headbands and their hairs like back like that, and they're all like you know they're all like walking around in robes. They're very royal, and then they do martial arts, fly through the air, all that stuff, right? Like one bad guy like throws all these leaves using his like you know, chi or whatever at the, at the good guys and they have to be like, ah, the leaves, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I, I'm not super into that, okay? <laughs> I'm not super into that. But I like that she likes it and I'm excited. I, I, so I don't watch it with her all the time, but I like, I like to listen and her, have her be able to update me on like what happens in the show. Um, and the problem is my wife never asked me about Stranger Things. Just kidding, just kidding. So what's really cool is if you live this out, what you'll find is over time within the body of Christ, um, all the different act activities we do should help train us to be oriented around other people. It starts with God. 
where we say, let me orient myself around God in prayer. Now, prayer is a two-way street. So you talk about your needs, but you also orient yourself to prayer. When you're reading scripture, it should not primarily be about what do I get out of it? What do I think this means? It should be how can I listen to what God and the biblical authors say? You, you get that? It's about letting go of what you think momentarily as you try to listen to the author of the text, the two authors of the text, God and the human author. Um, if you think about eating lunch together, if you think about setting up chairs, within the church, everything should be other-centered. And within this community, as we are other-centered, there's this incredible feedback loop, right? Where it's like, if I show hospitality to you, you feel so good and cared for, that you want to show hospitality to Eric, and then Eric feels so loved and cared for. And when the body of Christ is functioning in this way, what happens? Like, like the, the verse says, right? We contribute to each other's needs. We bear each other's burdens. So there's mutuality, and ideally, and I mean, honestly, the church, like, like no body of Christ is perfect, and in many ways, everyone has to grow in this area. Um, what it looks like to love each other and love strangers. But here's the thing. What I want to talk about hospitality, hospitality is a very tangible way to express this type of other-centered love, and it's also really, really fun, okay? this is So, like, there are lots of biblical commands that are difficult, like forgive those who uh, wrong you. That one is really hard. But showing hospitality is fun, especially coming out of the pandemic, where it's like it is so incredibly beautiful and wonderful and great and exciting to be able to spend time together in person and eat food together. These are all the things that we missed so much before, the, like during the pandemic. But the question is, are we going to be more, uh, in a sense, shaped by isolating, by sheltering in place? Where if you think about it, it's like, I need to keep myself safe. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that's wrong or anything, but it's more like the self-focus, where your life becomes oriented around consuming entertainment. It becomes oriented around keeping to yourself, um, or you might like go outside like on the internet or whatever it might be, but it's not other-centered. It's not like going out there the way God does. He goes out, brings the orf goes to the orphan, brings them into the home so that they can have meaningful relationships, okay? So if you wanna have a good relationship, first thing you gotta look at, you gotta look at whether you're able to be other-centered, and this is a great understanding of what it means to love where you let go of your desires. This is not this is not being a doormat, but it's just reality. You know, like you will not have harmony in a relationship if you never are able to let go of your desires. And it comes out in like what show do you watch? What restaurant do you go to? Guys, if you're taking your girlfriend out on a date and you're like I want to eat McDonald's. And she's like, no, I'd rather have something more healthy. And you're like, no, we're going to have McDonald's. You're a bad boyfriend, okay? Think about what she would want to eat and then give her options, okay? This is like relationship hacks right here. She doesn't want to have to decide. So you can think about three different restaurants she likes and then present all three options and let her choose between them. Big relationship hack right there. Really good, really good. Okay, anyway, well, we're supposed to be talking about the Bible, but I got a little carried away. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and look at 
Let's go ahead and look at um, a few things. We're gonna kind of see what hospitality is. We're going to see um, what the attitude is underneath hospitality. And we're going to, uh, I'm gonna argue that we can change and save the world through dinner parties, okay? Change and save the world through dinner, dinner parties. So let's start off by saying, what do you guys think hospitality is? People on Zoom, you can put in the chat. People out there, um, what do you guys think? Like, when you hear the word hospitality, what do you think of? Welcoming others. Welcoming others? Yeah. What else? Dinner parties. Dinner parties? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think of a couple of things. I think of the hospitality industry, which is like, you go into the hospitality industry, and these are the people who are professional, other-centered people who can anticipate the needs of guests before they arrive and make their experience as humanly comfortable and uh, relaxing as possible. So like a hotel worker or a hotel manager who's able to say, I know what people want. I know what makes them feel good. I'm going to remove anything that could get in the way of them having a relaxing experience. The other thing I think about, because I'm, uh, so my um, sister-in-law, Sarah Jin, uh, the other thing I think about is charcuterie boards. So like on social media, blah, 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 TikTok, whatever. Um, there's this big thing about charcuterie boards, which is like an artfully arranged assortment of meats and cheeses, you know? Or it could be a bunch of different things. And so everyone, when they have like a, a get together, uh, if you're like a millennial or like a young adult, this is like a thing where people are all about charcuterie boards and the presentation is so important. It has to look really beautiful. You have to take a bunch of pictures of it. So these are two kind of pictures or images we can have of hospitality. Um, there are some elements of both of those images that are appropriate and good for us. But let's look at what the biblical definition of hospitality is. Um, I'm going to summarize hospitality. This is my definition. Um, and I've like Frankenstein a number of other definitions together to make make this uh, definition. So my definition of hospitality is hospitality is self-donation through invitation. And you probably don't know what that means. Self-donation through invitation. I'm going to explain what it means and what it looks like. Okay. So let's start off by looking at uh, our verse and we're, we're going to do a quick cultural historical word studies um, background. So uh, the verse says, seek to show hospitality. Now, there are a few words we have to unpack there. When it says seek to show hospitality, the seek part, the, the word literally means to pursue, to run after, or be chased away by. Um, and it's actually used to mean persecute in certain biblical passages. So the idea is when you're persecuting someone, you hound them. Like, wherever Uncle Roger goes, I'm going to follow him around, and I'm going to poke him with a sharp stick wherever he goes. That's like, that's like the word. I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to exert effort and energy in following or pursuing or seeking. And so that's the image. It's really interesting, right? I'm going to chase after hospitality. What does the word hospitality mean? Hospitality is actually, um, so uh, do you know the word xenophobia? It's, it's a word that comes from Greek, and xeno means alien or stranger. Not like alien, ooh, big, like big eyes, gray, little gray man. It means an immigrant, or it means a person from a different nationality. And so they would have seen like 
an alien as being like, you know, oh, you're in America, and then this this alien like comes from China, and then like, what are you doing here, right? No, I mean, th so that's xenophobia, right? So xeno is alien or stranger or immigrant, and phobia is fear. So now the word for hospitality is actually the word for love and the same word xeno. So instead of stranger danger, stranger fear, hospitality is just one word that means stranger love or to love the other. And so this is a really cool, beautiful definition of hospitality where uh, you don't only love people who are like you or that you're familiar with. You love people who are very different than you. And this is one of the issues that we always have in any sort of group, but basically, you know, people talk about forming cliques, right? What is a clique? A clique is a group of people who have formed a barrier or perimeter around their group based on their common traits or based on excluding other people who don't fit in with them, right? And so rather than practicing uh, xenophobia or stranger danger, practice hospitality or stranger love where God goes out, the Trinity, the life of the Trinity, they leave their home. Jesus leaves his home in the Trinity to bring people back into the home, back into the group. And so uh, the cultural historical context for hospitality was like literally stranger love, where when you're traveling, they didn't have Airbnbs, uh, they didn't have hotels. And so if you're going to a foreign city, like let's pretend I walked to Sacramento, I wouldn't know anyone there. And I would literally have to go to some kind of public place, like a well or like a watering hole or whatever, like a city square. And I'd have to wait for someone to see me and be like, like you, it's, I imagine that they're like holding up a sign, like, please let me stay with you overnight. And do you know why this would have been so important? Number one, traveling was dangerous and difficult and tiring. And so you're walking through like really hot temperature in the desert for miles and miles and miles for days on end. And then you finally get to a city. And what do you need more than anything? You need rest, you need nourishment, and you need a safe place to stay. And so they wouldn't have had anyone. They, there were like places you could pay someone, but the common practice would have been to just welcome in strangers. And so that's kind of the historical context for that. And that's actually a really beautiful picture of what it looks like for us, where rather than saying, I'm going to love the people who look like me, people of the same race as me, people who have, I have something in common with, people who like me, I'm going to go out as a believer, a follower of Christ, someone who uh, wants to imitate God and welcome in people who are very different and people who are strangers and aliens. When we look at biblical hospitality, um, what's really interesting is uh, one of the characteristics of elders in Titus and Timothy is that they're hospitable. That's really interesting, right? So an elder is basically some of the, the, uh, a group of people who are in charge of overseeing the church and shepherding people within the church. And one of the most important characteristics for elders is that they are able to welcome people into the, into the fellowship. Um, and so when I think about our, our elders, uh, they were exhibiting hospitality far before, long, long, long before they were elders. But because of, in part, because of their exemplary hospitality of them and their families, um, they were, in a sense, qualified to be elders. So, you know, uh, Ken and Anne, 
have been hospitable to so many people over so many years, and they have exhibited stranger love by opening up their homes and letting them live in their house with them. So there have been, um, you know, like people have moved from a different state looking for housing, let them live there. We, they've, they've been like church, like people in our church who needed a place to stay for a period of time. So they opened up their house with young kids and let them stay there. They're sharing space, they're inviting them in, they're welcoming them. And not only that, I mean, Anne's cooking, they're both amazing at cooking, but um, Anne's cooking, she always makes a huge effort to make whoever comes feel so like, her, her type of food, you can feel her love, and when you eat it, you feel like warmed by it. You know, you, you feel like warmed by it. And she's welcomed Ashley and I many, many times over when like Ashley's pregnant, we're tired, like, and we just go over to her house. She doesn't make us do anything. We just sit there and be loved by them. And she really does this well. And Ken really does this well. That's what it looks like to be an elder. And that's what it looks like to be a Christian who shows hospitality. Christian And hospitality, I think there are two elements. It's both inward and outward. So what I mean by that is in the book of Hebrews, um, the, the author says, don't neglect hospitality to strangers. So don't neglect hospitality or stranger love. And in that context, I think it actually means if there is a person who's not part of the Christian group, like someone who, who isn't a Christian, who doesn't go to our church, do, are we willing to welcome them and be hospitable to them? And what that looks like is actually very interesting. It could be, um, it could be like uh, there are foreign exchange students, right? So like an uh, exchange student from Korea is like coming over to study in the States for a while. Are we willing to open up our house to them for, a, for a, a couple of months or whatever it might be? Or it could be like a homeless person. Are we willing to try to help them and show care and love to them? That's kind of the outward focus. And it, it also is like evangelistic where I'm going to talk about that later, but hospitality is an, such an important concept for sharing our faith with people. But there's the other one, which is show hospitality to one another. And so this is where um, even though we're the body of Christ, it is still important to be able to show stranger love in the sense that within the body of Christ, we should show hospitality to everyone within the church. Like, not just people who agree with you politically, not just people who are in the same life stage as you, not just people who have common interests. And this is really at the heart of Christian love, where God doesn't love just certain types of people. He indiscriminately sends rain on the just and unjust alike. And so, as Christians, honestly, we can have a hard time with this, where if people don't ascribe to Christian morals, we can have a hard time welcoming them and loving them. And there is a huge issue with that because the basis by which we are welcomed by God is God loved us at our worst when we were still sinners. Before we changed, before we reformed, before we had new life or were born again, God loved us. And that's the type of love we should have for everyone, um, including people who deeply disagree with us when it comes to values or ethics. Um, but it's both inward and it's both and it's outward. Okay, so let's let's go to the next part of the verse. There's an attitude underneath this hospitality. So, hospitality is invitation, and by invitation I mean hospitality is welcoming someone into your living space. What I mean by that is 
where you hang out, hospitality is not saying like, oh, we have this like, we have this small little club and you gotta like fill out a resume and like submit it to us and then we'll welcome you in. No, it's not like that. It's not like a college admissions or whatever it is. Hospitality is saying like, wherever I hang out, I want to welcome you in. So if you're a homeowner, like, like Ashley and I, like we got a house a couple years ago, that's our living space. That's where we spend a lot of our time. And hospitality means welcoming you into our house and loving you. If you don't have a home, if you have an apartment, welcoming people into your apartment. If you're living with your parents and you don't want to hang out at your parents' house because it's weird, do you go to a coffee shop? Do you go to McDonald's? Like, where do you hang out? Where do you spend time with your friends? Welcome people into that living space. And this is actually really cool. If you become this type of person who is able to do this genuinely, where you really want to show love to people, um, it is so good. You will have much more meaningful, deeper relationships than people than you would if you're constantly um, kind of waiting for someone to invite you. Like, be the person who shows hospitality. And that's what the verse says. But here's the attitude underneath it, some more language stuff, where it says, contribute to the needs of the saints, um, it's uh, what it this is this is actually a really tough translation, but what it means is enter into a fellowship of each other's needs. And by fellowship, uh, I want you to think about the fellowship of the rings. So like in Lord of the Rings, I, I wish Joshua was here. He's a Lord of the Rings nerd. But um, Lord of the Rings, a fellowship is a group of people who are unified by a purpose and you are loyal and sacrificial and you have a shared mission. Another example, a sports team, where you, you are part of this club, you're part of this group, and you are sacrificing your own personal interest for the good of the team, for the sake of the mission. And so this is the attitude underneath Christian hospitality, where you don't see yourself, you don't look at the person next to you in church and say, I have my needs, they have their own needs, that's all it is. Like, church is not like, oh, I, I say hi to people once a week on Sunday, but, you know, I don't really think about them again when I leave. I just think about, like, you know, I got to go to work, got to take care of the kids. This is actually a really powerful attitude where you're saying we are part of a fellowship, we are on a quest, and I am so invested in your life for the sake of our quest that I'm every time, if, like, imagine this, you're, like, walking up a mountain together, and this person runs out of water. You're on a quest. You're trying to get to the top of the mountain. What do you do? Do you say, ha, 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 too bad, and you take a big swig of water? No. You say, we're part of the quest. I need you. You need me. Let me help you. Let me find your needs and meet them in whatever way I can. And so your attitude is, we are standing side by side together. We are doing this together. And whenever you need help, I'm going to try to help you. Whenever I need help, I can share my needs with you, and you think, I want to contribute to those needs. That's what it looks like, and that's the attitude about underneath hospitality. So let me give you a couple examples of hospitality. First one, um, my seminary prof, Steve Korch, um, he passed away not too long ago. He was our speaker at, um, he was our speaker at one of our all-church retreats. Uh, so he was a pastor at Santa, in Santa Cruz for a long time, and when I was in seminary, I remember in one of the classes I had with him, uh, he shared how him and his wife show hospitality. So he lives in Santa Cruz. And our, all of our stereotypes about Santa Cruz um, are like, what do you think about when you think about Santa Cruz? You think about like surfers, you think about like stoners, 
they're like outdoor people, they're hippies, they have like dreadlocks, like what, whatever you think about, like that's Santa Cruz and that's like Steve Korch. And the other, the other stereotype about Santa Cruz is they're very uh, unreligious or even anti-religious where they don't believe in God they, or they, they might believe in like, you know, a, diff, a different like pantheism or different religion. Um, so the question is, how can he show love to people in his community? How can he reach out to them? What he would do is him and his wife would basically invite a couple to their home and they would lavish love and care and affection on them. What he said they would do is they would make them a great meal. They would not make the conversation about them, about him and his wife. They would listen and just like try to encourage and make it all about them, you know? As a couple, they were they were a team together to try to make this this other like this other person or this other couple of people feel as loved and cared for as possible. So this is beautiful hospitality. Where if you're a weary traveler, and we're all weary travelers, right? Like when we go to work, we have school, we have all of our stresses and cares and busyness. And what we need so much more than anything is like a safe place where people we can be rejuvenated, where we can have rela meaningful relationships, where we can talk to people about what's important, where we can ask for help and prayer. And so Steve Korch and his wife, they sacrificed to, and they constantly were looking for people who they could lavish this love on. So hospitality is self-donation where they were saying, I am not gonna hold on to the good things I have from, for ourselves. Like we're gonna, we're gonna give people our food. We're gonna give people our time and energy. And if you've ever hosted, uh, you know there's sacrifice involved. Cleaning up, preparing everything, making charcuterie boards, that takes time, it takes energy. It takes sacrifice. But the reason you do that is because you want to love that person, even if they're a stranger. And you want to help that person and refresh them. They're tired, they're weary, they're exhausted from life, from the storms of life, the stresses, the cares of life. Hospitality is welcoming them in and giving of yourself through invitation, through invitation, self-donation through invitation. The other example I want to use is um, there is a couple, we, we, Ashley and I were the, the recipients of amazing hospitality. And honestly, we are like really young and new when it comes to showing hospitality. Um, but we have lots of examples in our church. And then recently, there is this amazing example in our neighborhood that we experienced. So, um, you know, Ashley has been back at work full time, even though we have a young son. And so, you know, we, we're struggling like with all the parent stuff where it's like, you know, like Toby went to bed at like, we had a hard time going to sleep. And then an hour and a half later, like this was last night, he woke up at like 1250. And so I like, I got up out of bed. I like, you know, fed him. And then uh, I couldn't go to sleep for another hour. And then I woke up early and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, Ashley, you know, we're constantly trying to juggle like, you know, our responsibilities and our relationships. And so um, it's challenging. It's challenging being young parents and it can be stressful. It can be like just hard. We were just walking around in our neighborhood with Toby and we were walking by this corner house that turns onto our street and we walked by a house and then like basically the garage door opened up um, and a car pulled in and then there was a couple that basically rushed out of their car and went over us and they're like waving their arms and we're like, what's wrong? And, and we're like, 
Like, we've seen you before. And I actually met one of these neighbors a couple of times when she was walking her grandkid. And they, they, they were like waving us in. They're like, come, come talk to us, come talk to us. We didn't know them. They didn't really know us. They were like, come talk to us, come talk to us. And so, like, just right off the bat, we felt overwhelmed by their, like, love. Where they're just, like, so interested in learning about us. And then, uh, a lot of you guys would be interested in this. Like, so the garage door was open. And, you know, their names are Peter and Bridget. So they are very different than us in every way. They're, they are much older than us. They've had very different life experiences. We're not the same race. There's lots of different stuff that's different. But they saw us and they were like, we want to welcome you in. Oh, what's your son's name? Like, what, who are you? Like, what do you do? What are you interested in? And so it turned out that like, um, when I shared that, this is what often happens. Like I shared that I was like a Christian minister and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Like we're Christians too. And we go to Venture Church and like, we, we're, that's so like amazing brother. And like, you know, do you have a word from the Lord for us? And so they're like beckoning us in. And, and this was like, there were a lot of weird such like circumstances that led to us walking by their house at this point. So I think it was a God ordained uh, meeting, but we, they beckoned us in. And then what was really cool was the husband's name is Peter. So they're both ex army and the husband, Peter has basically like a Marvel shrine in his garage where he has probably thousands of Marvel collectibles that are displayed on the wall everywhere. He has Marvel posters like, you know, Black Panther, different things like that. He has a big collection of gold and silver age comics. So like older comics. And he was just like, well, look at all my collection. Like, I really love this stuff. And then, you know, we started talking. Um, and then honestly, like at some point, Ashley shared, um, you know, that we're having a tough time figuring out like what it means to be parents, young parents. And they did something really, really, really meaningful. Um, first of all, they were just like, praying for us, encouraging us and all this stuff. But it turns out that Peter had actually bought a bouquet for his wife, Bridget, from the grocery store. And so without any prompting, Bridget took the bouquet that his, her husband had got for her and gave it to Ashley and said, you know, I want you to have this. And I'm just like, these people, there's something different about the way that they love where there is a stream, like the biblical idea would be a stream of living water that is welling up in them. There is the sense that they are so overwhelmed and thankful for, like Peter is very talkative. So he like volunteered all this like information about himself, like his testimony and all these different things. But they're just overwhelming us with love. And they're doing it because God, they, they have experienced the welcome of God for them, where God welcomed them and God put them in a home. And they experience the safety and joy of being in God's family. And so they want to bring everyone else in. They're not just like circling the wagons. They're not just thinking about themselves. They're not hoarding their blessings for themselves. But they're saying, how can I go out? And so the, they, they are on the, on the spectrum of like, like over evangelizing to not evangelizing enough. If they didn't have such an incredible amount of love and genuine care, like, they're kind of in your face about Jesus, which, like, I think that's really, really cool. But it's only cool because they are not trying to use anyone. They're not trying to force it on anyone. They're just overwhelmed by God's love. And so they naturally, organically share it with everyone they know. They share it with their neighbors. They just go around looking for strangers who have babies and be like, come in, come in. And they do it all the time. 
I, like they do with all their neighbors. <laughs> and it makes an impact. I want to be like them when I grow up. I want to be like Ken and Ann when we get older. Like, I don't want us to be insulated, and in, or sorry, insular, where we are just always self-focused as a family. I want to go out and welcome people in, and that's something that we can kind of grow in over time. And we do this by taking the tangible action of hospitality. And so, like, I have some challenges for you guys. There, there are some things I want to talk about. Like, if you're an introvert, um, I would just say it's still possible for you because introverts know how to be hospitable to introverts in a way that extroverts sometimes aren't that great at. Um, but also, introverts need a little bit of a push where we need someone who kind of shows us what it looks like to care about the other person. If you're an introvert, a lot of the times I have a hard time meeting new people because I'm scared of being awkward or it's hard for me to like take the first step in like asking them a question. And so um, I, like, I've had to learn this. Like, just think about them. Don't think about how awkward it feels for you. Try to be interested and curious about their lives. And that's a really great way to kind of bridge that initial barrier. Just think, like, it's not about how I feel. Even if I feel awkward, can I just try to ask a question to the person and get them to start talking? And then once they start talking, you try to find points of connection where it's like, are you interested in this? Or like, are you interested in that? Or they say something like, like, like Peter's interested in Marvel. And so I'm like, oh, did you see like Shang-Chi or did you see Thor or like what's going on, you know? And through that, you can get to know each other. So even if you're introverted, don't let that get in the way of showing love and hospitality. And the church really needs introverts who honestly can often have more in-depth, like long-lasting conversations and relationships, where a lot of studies show that extroverts have a lot of more superficial relationships. Introverts are strong at having deeper relationships, but it, there, are ne- there are fewer relationships. So the church both needs broad people and deep people. Uh, if you don't have a house, don't have, just like invite someone to a coffee shop, your living space, wherever it is. You don't need to own a house, you don't need to own an apartment, or whatever it might be. Just find a place where you can eat food together, like a restaurant or whatever, and then try to do this. Listen to them, try to encourage them and love them, ask them about their needs. Um, difference between Instagram and Be Real, uh, whatever, social media. You, I'm so cool. No, like, like I read about this social media thing called Be Real, where basically the whole idea is don't show people your curated perfect life. It, it basically prompts you saying like, take a picture right now, whatever you're doing, take a picture of yourself so you can show your friends what you're up to at this moment. So it's not like charcuterie boards like Instagram. It's not like a, a super cute professional family photo with your dog and like your kid and everyone's happy and dressed up. No, it's not like that. You, like when you're hosting, be real. Like just if someone is, if you think someone needs help, like, or like, or you, they're lonely, just like invite them in and be like, here's my mess. You know, here's my life. This is what my house is like most of the time. It's not super clean or like whatever it might be, but this is me. And this isn't me inviting you into my mess and my house and my life. And it signifies how we share life with each other. I'm donating myself through invitation and hospitality signifies the idea that I'm open to having a real relationship with you. I'm going to self-disclose I'm gonna share my life, what I'm like, my problems, my struggles, my issues, my, my joys. The final thing is, or whatever, I'm not even gonna do that one. Um, so I, I really think this is so cool. 
Um, and it's so beautiful. Uh, this is the foundation of what we do as a church, where honestly, none of our mission, if you think about evangelism or discipleship or these different things, all of this should be done within the context and foundation of inviting each other to our homes. And I honestly believe this is a crucial turning point in the life of our church, where coming out of the pandemic, will we change our habits and patterns back to what they were before? Or will we continue to isolate and not let people in? I think that's a really big question for us. And I'm curious how we're gonna respond to it. I really hope that we respond by saying, I am, the pandemic were unique circumstances, and you know, there's a wave going on now. So there, I'm, I'm, there are all those challenges, but how will we reach out and how will we welcome in other people so that we can share at a more deep level? It's not superficial relationships, it's sharing life together, it's spending time during the week, having dinner parties, whatever it might be. And through those contexts, we can evangelize, we can read the Bible together, we can pray for each other, or we can just have fun. That's something we really need coming out of the pandemic. Christianity is a joyful religion. It says celebration and dinner and eating together is basically mandatory. And it talks about it all over the, all over the Bible from the beginning to the end. Um, in the, at the end of the world, God will, will basically throw the best dinner party ever where we are all together with him and we are having the best food, the best celebration, perfect unity, perfect joy before our Father. And that's what we get to experience in a small part now through fellowship within the local church. But let's do it, okay? So three applications. Show up for the fellowship, not just for fellowship. Is that a little confusing or is that a little deep? No. Um, show up to be in the fellowship, not for fellowship. We, when, you, when I say the word fellowship, you think fellowship is like, I want to have community. Like, I want to be with people. That's fellowship. But show up because you are in the fellowship and show up for other people in the fellowship. And honestly, this is what's lost if we don't embody our presence together. Um, it might be okay for consuming content or learning if you're uh, digital, like over Zoom and stuff. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on Zoom people. What I'm saying though is there are so many life experiences that cannot be virtual. When you're mourning with someone who's lost a loved one, that cannot be virtual. When someone is like sending off signals that they're having a tough time, you can only pick up, up on that through body language and through seeing them in person. And then you can only eat together in person. So there are certain things, Zoom, digital stuff is all really good, but we can't, that's not a substitute for embodied presence, okay? So show up for other people. Come to church in person, not because you want to be entertained or get a sermon or feel inspired or sing music, but for the other people so you can encourage them and look for opportunities to be in their life and love them. And then next one, stay after church, eat lunch, talk to someone you don't know that well. Third one, invite someone or a few people into your living space and seek to self-donate this week or in the upcoming month, okay? Self-donate. Think about them. And what's really cool is like all of the best conversations we have are when both parties are like this. Do you know what I mean? They are honestly interested in listening to what's going on with you. 
But at some point, they're like, you're like, like, oh, oh my gosh, I've been talking so much. Like, what's going on with you? I really want to know what you're up to. Like, what do you need prayer for? And so just seek to self-donate. This is enjoyable. It's good. This is how we have good relationships and how we don't become insular or, you know, individualized and isolated from real relationships. We need this. We're so lonely in so many ways, and there's so many factors in society that make this hard, including busyness, including geography. But let's make effort. So remember the word, pursue hospitality. Chase after it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do something small, and then for the rest of your life, say, I am going to seek this. I, and me and, me and Ashley, we want to live this out like Ken and Ann do, where we want to look for people for the next 30 years who we can welcome into our home. And so, okay, I'll, I'll even make like a public invite, which this is not as nice as like a personal invite, but if you guys ever want to work out with me, my house is open and I would love to teach you how to weightlift. Like, I'm serious, open all the time. I would love to do that. I have a young kid, but me and Ashley can make it work unless everyone tells me they all want to weightlift. I don't know if, how, how I could do that, but I really want to. Like, I really want to get to know you. I really want to share my space with you um, and we'll just have fun together. We'll just talk, we'll just weightlift. It'll be great. So find people to donate. Um, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the way you love us through tangibly donating yourself and your son in order to invite and welcome us into your family. I pray, Lord, that you would grow us in our capacity to look outside of ourselves to love the person next to us and around us, to love our neighbor, to love the stranger, to love the immigrant, to love the person who needs um, refreshment and rejuvenation. Um, I pray you would, your spirit would give us wisdom to know how to do this. And I pray also, Lord, that this wouldn't become legalistic, but it would come from our genuine gratitude for what you've done for us and that it would be so sincere, our desire to reach out to other people. Um, I pray for introverts like myself that you would help us to be brave and help us to look outside of ourselves um, to welcome other people. I pray for extroverts that you would help them maybe slow down and listen and be patient in talking to one person for a little bit longer. Um, but most of all, more than anything, I pray you would use our differences in ways that would build your people and your church and we would be able to welcome so many people into the celebration, to the feast, um, through this practice of hospitality. Um, I pray that there would be many joyful relationships that would come out of this. Um, and I pray you would give us patience because we know it takes time and you can't rush this. So I pray for persis persistence and joy and your power in helping this happen in our church. We love you so much and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.